Space, the final frontier. This is the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. Its mission to explore the solar system, to seek out new observations and data, to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. And now the host of the Observer's Notebook, Tim Robertson. Hello and welcome to the Observer's Notebook, the official podcast for the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I am Tim Robertson, your host of this podcast, and also the coordinator of the training program within the organization. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers is an international organization devoted to the study of the sun, the moon, the planets, asteroids, meteors, and comets. Our goals are to stimulate, coordinate, and generally promote the study of these bodies using methods and instruments that are available to the communities of both amateur and professional astronomers. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena and publishes detailed reports concerning these bodies in its quarterly publication, The Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers also lovingly known as the Australian Astronomer. The Association of Lunar Planetary Observers maintains many individual observing sections and programs devoted to the studies of the solar system bodies and phenomenon. Each is managed by one or more coordinators that collect and study submitted observations. You can visit us on the internet at www.alpo-astronomy.com Org. That again, www.alpo-astronomy.org. Now, on to the Observer's Notebook. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Observer's Notebook. Our guest today is Ken Pichetli, the editor-in-chief of the Journal of the Association of Lunar Planetary Observers, The Strolling Astronomer. Welcome, Ken. I'm glad to be here. Great. Why don't you give us a little background about yourself? Well, I've been uh, editing the journals since, I guess it was 2001. Um, I had joined the ALPO when I was probably age 12, about 1962, so I'm pretty old. And um, I was just uh, totally mesmerized by the pencil sketches and, and so forth by Clark Chapman, uh, the lunar things that were in the journal. So I was a member, at least a lurker member, <clears throat> for about three or four years, uh, and then dropped out. I was in uh, in high school at the time, and then moved away from astronomy, and then got back into amateur astronomy about 1989, and then rejoined the ALPO about 1990, and uh, got very active, and then, as I said, became um, editor of the journal, uh, The editor, when I joined the first time, was, of course, our founder, Walter Haas. And when uh, I rejoined, by that time, it was John Westfall. And um, he, of course, then turned it over to me. My background has always been journalism. I have a Bachelor of Science in News Journalism, 1974, out of Kent State near Cleveland. Worked in newspaper work, public relations for the Red Cross, various publications, editing positions, and then finally uh, moved to Atlanta for uh, full-time technical writing positions uh, about 1984 and, you know, just heavy-duty writing experience and then always had that interest in astronomy, especially solar system astronomy. So this seems to be a good fit. 
Where are you located? I'm in Metro Atlanta. Metro Atlanta. And how long have you been there? Uh, I moved here in May 1984. Oh, so you've been there quite a while. Quite a while, 30, about 32, 33 years, you know, whatever it comes. Math and I never did get along, so I'm saying 32 or 33 years. <laughs> okay. All right, that's why you didn't get into professional astronomy, I take it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what do you do for a living? I'm a technical writer. Uh, as I said, I went and held various writing positions uh, before moving here and then took a full-time technical writing position for uh, a computer accessories company in, in 1984. was with them for several years and then moved on to another company for 12 years and then uh, you know several other companies for uh, various numbers of years doing their operation manuals for their various equipment, heavy construction equipment or whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and the company I'm with now, I've been with them almost eight years. Uh, and so it's just heavy-duty publications, editing, proofreading, and writing um, stuff that I do at work, and and then I get to volunteer those skills for the <laughs> ALPL. And it doesn't feel like work, right? No, it really doesn't. I enjoy doing this for the uh, for the ALPL because I will never be as good of an observer as most of these other people. I, I you know, I have done my share, but um, it's an hour and a half drive for me to get to and from work every day. Uh, it's uh, 122 miles round trip. I can relate. So by the time I get home, by the time I you know help with supper and do this and do that, sometimes I just don't feel like getting out and doing any observing. So uh, this is my opportunity to really help out as best I can. Okay. And when you do have those opportunities to get out and observe, what kind of telescope or observing equipment do you have, and what do you like to look at? <clears throat> well... Uh, my first real scope uh, I purchased was from a friend here in Atlanta in uh, 1990. It, it is. I still have the thing. It's a 6-inch F8 uh, Criterion RV6, the old venerable Newtonian by the uh, the late and great Criterion Company. I had, I had one of those. That's oh, yeah. They're like they're like the Volkswagen Beetle, which is also another one of my passions. Great little Everybody telescope, had though. Great tele- I wish I still had it. Well, I, I still have mine. That's great. And then recently I um, picked up a uh, an 8-inch Celestron Newtonian to um, allow me to do possibly uh, better observing. You know, it gathers more light and so forth. As far as my observing interests go, I'm big on the moon and planets. And I would like to get into doing some comet observing because after seeing some of the reports by... Carl Hergenrother, who is our Alpo Comets section coordinator, the guy is just phenomenal with his enthusiasm, and I'd like to um, I'd like to start doing some of that stuff if I can. But you know, uh, with the weather with the weather getting gradually warmer, at least steadily warmer, maybe that'll happen. Yeah, comets were what got me into the ALP when when I first started. There were some really bright comets, Comet Bennett back in the 70s and things like that. So that just piqued my interest, and I found the ALPL and I started sending observations in at that point. Interesting. Everybody knows your domain for email is cometman.com, right? Yeah, cometman at cometman.com. Or net, actually. .com is taken. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So you are the editor of the journal. Why don't you give us a little history on that? Well, um... The official uh, schedule for publishing the journal has always been four issues a year. Uh, matter of fact, 
a membership in the ALPO consisted not necessarily of a year, but however long it took for you to receive four issues of the journal. Sometimes the journal came out once or only twice a year. Um, having been in newspaper work and various other publications jobs over the years in the 70s, as a writer, as a journalist of any kind in that side, you live and breathe by deadlines. So when the opportunity came for me to begin editing and publishing the journal, among other things, I made sure that I would put this thing on a uh, regular schedule. So I uh, began publishing it on a seasonal basis. So it's released the um, early in the month of the seasonal change. Okay. So uh, the first issue of a volume, right now we're in volume 59, the first issue of that volume came out in early December, and that was the winter 2017. The issue that is being released, uh, or has just been released last week, um, is volume 59, number two, and it's the spring issue, and that's coming out, you know, this month. The summer will be, the summer issue will be out in early June, and the <clears throat> the autumn issue will be out in early September. Among the other things that I've kind of worked into doing, because this is my line of work, is that I um, have begun publishing the journal from the beginning, not only as a hard copy publication, but also as a fully dynamic uh, PDF file, portable document format file with hyperlinks and bookmarks and so forth. And the, uh, the uh, journal is available both in full color as a PDF file with all of those uh, hyperlinks and bookmarks that we talked about that I just mentioned, but it still comes out as a hard copy publication with a full color cover, but the uh, inside pages are black and white because it would be <clears throat> prohibitively expensive for us to publish the entire journal by in color, although uh, donations are welcome to help us do that, and that's uh, what I do. So I, I, I contact Sky and Telescope magazine, and they have been very, very, very good with um, maintaining their outside back cover full-page ad. Uh, I work with various section coordinators in getting reports from them and anybody else who will contribute an article, mm -hmm. and I invite everybody to contribute something. And then um, I write, lay out, do everything else that it takes to do this thing using the software that I own. And... Uh, post it to um, a website where it is um, available for everybody to download and uh, then we also work with a hard copy printer who prints and distributes the hard copy of the uh, the journal. Now our membership, is uh, we have different types of membership and some memberships <laughs> are just for the electronic version and some are for both, right? Well, you're, you're right, but as of uh, last, I guess it was last summer, we decided to open it up for everybody to get both uh, the hard copy and the uh, what we call the digital version or the soft copy of the journal. So what happens is every three months, uh, every member who has an email address, <clears throat> excuse me, gets a uh, an email notification that uh, tells them uh, the new journal is a, is ready for downloading. And here are the highlights of this particular journal. There's a little screenshot of the front cover uh, in that announcement, along with a link for you to click on 
that takes you to a little pop-up window where you simply enter your email address and your membership number, uh, your Alpo membership number, and uh, click on that, and you begin the download process, and you can either just read the thing online or you can actually save it onto your own platform so that you don't have to be online. Hmm. And that's, that's what's going on. So, Ken, what type of articles are published in the journal? Well, the journal consists of three main sections. The, uh, the first part of the journal, the first third of it, I call um, the ALPO pages or inside the ALPO. And that, is, uh, that consists of a series of uh, reports from the various interests and observing sections. For instance, you're the coordinator of the, the training, uh, the Lunar and Planetary Training Program. So uh, I'll get a report from you telling us about any, any uh, people that are taking the training program and so forth and so on. And then also the observing section reports, the solar, the comets, the Mercury, the Venus, all of our observing sections <clears throat> provide uh, reports about what's going on, um, who's contributing, you know, and so forth and so on. Uh, also, I will include in that first portion of the journal any interesting news that's just in general. For instance, um, uh, news about the upcoming conference that we do every year, this particular year, 2017. We're going to be participating with the Georgia Regional Astronomers Group that will be meeting at the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia, for presentation of uh, astronomy papers. And that'll be a Saturday, October 28th. Oh, really? Later uh, in the so year. So if anybody's interested, we'll have more about that in the next issue of the journal. Yeah, it's, normally held like in the, it's normally held in the summertime, I believe. Pardon? It's normally held in the summertime. Normally held in the summertime, but with the, with the, the total eclipse being on August 21st, that would have occurred probably two uh, or three weeks after the summer conference. I understand. So the board has agreed that to make the conference more pertinent to what's going on, that we want to get papers in there about the uh, total solar eclipse, uh, that we would postpone having the conference until the fall. And then it just so happens that several of our members happen to know about the uh, Georgia Regional Astronomers Group, the GRA, I contacted them because I live about an hour west of University of Georgia, and um, the coordinator of that group was very uh, cordial and um, invited us to participate with the presentation of some papers at his group uh, this October. So, um, you know, that's the kind of an article that would be in the general section. The second portion of the journal are the papers and presentations, articles that are, uh, we call them papers about apparitions um, there is summarization of apparition reports about Mercury Venus Earth Mars you know all you know all of the uh, the, the planets and so forth and, and comets um, and then the final third of the uh, journal is what I call the Alpo resources it's a directory of who to call for whatever reason who to contact what what resources you have available from this organization the papers and presentations part that I just mentioned can be very, very dry reading. But at the same time, those are exactly the kinds of reports that the professional community really needs. It's very, very specific with numbers um, and data that can put you know other people to sleep. But 
that's the kind of stuff that professionals rely on when they're doing their reports and research. Yeah, I'm seeing in doing this podcast, most of the sections I talk to, the coordinators will tell me that professional and amateur collaboration is really important and a key to the success of each of their sections. It's pretty interesting. I wasn't aware it was that fully all the way through the organization. As a matter of fact, Walter Haas himself was really very adamant in trying to get a professional-amateur thing going, and that goes back to the 1930s. And uh, too many professional astronomers were very, uh, for lack of a better term, very snooty with him, and they didn't believe that amateurs could contribute anything. So it was in 1947 when uh, Walter put together uh, what we now have today, the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. It was officially uh, March 1st of 1947 that the first strolling astronomer, that's the original name and even the subtitle name of our journal, that was when it was published. And it served as a means for other amateurs to communicate their observing reports. It was just a, an, a mimeographed uh, publication on eight and a half by eleven paper, um, and then it grew and grew and grew and grew, and even was noticed by many of the many of those in the professional community. I have been told that um, Alpo research has been important uh, when deciding what to do with certain planetary explorations. For instance, I was told that um, Alpo observations played an important role when they were deciding where to land. Uh, the rovers on Mars back in uh, the mid-90s because they were looking for areas that oh, really had um, something going on, uh, more active weather, so to speak, and, um, you know, it played a part. So we we are out there, you know. We do the stuff that the professional community um, really appreciates. Yeah, and when I had a discussion with Julius Benton with the Saturn section, he mentioned to me that uh, there was some activity on on Saturn that was taking place real time that the ALPO noticed, and the the engineers on the Cassini mission actually focused the Cassini spacecraft to that area of Saturn on the next flyby to get it just because of the observations we were submitting. So there is definitely quite exactly. a bit of program exactly. going on. Now the the journal yes. sounds like a lot of work. How long does it take you to put together a typical uh, issue? Uh, it's not something that you just sit down and do. Um, I spend <clears throat> several hours, well, more than several hours a week, uh, doing this. I'll set, you know, I'll I'll spend a couple hours on a Saturday and on a Sunday, uh, depending on how I feel when I get home from the office uh, during the week. I might put an hour or so in because it just does take that much time. Uh, I I proofread everything that comes in front of me. I don't do peer reviews. That's what we depend on the section coordinators to do. But I do uh, review every article to make sure that the words, the punctuation, the spelling, you know, I do all of that stuff. Um, And then the the layout itself of the articles in uh, in the journal, you know, I do that. So... It's an ongoing process. It, it's not something that you can just sit down and do in about 10 or 15 hours. It does take – you're always working on it one way or the other. And you have to poke the coordinators occasionally to get the reports. I'm, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> 
Uh, is there uh, any plans yeah. for the yeah. future of the journal? Well, uh, at this time, um, I'm just kind of keep. I'm trying to keep it status quo. Every issue is a little bit better than the issue before with regards to making sure they don't um, have any uh, major errors or even minor errors creep in every so often. I'll uh, <clears throat> I'll miss something and I'll, I'll see it when the issue comes out. Um, and as a person who's been involved in publication work for all these many years, you always see what you want to see. Uh, when you're doing proofreading, you, do, you sometimes don't see the double words, like I'm going out outside or mm. you know, something like that. But you better believe that when the issue is published and posted online, that's the first thing that's going to jump off the page at you, and you wonder if everybody else sees it too. Yeah. So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to keep the journal uh, as good as I can. Um, I, I'm supposed to have a life outside the Alpo too, so we'll see how this works out. Well, you're doing a fine job. I have to say that. Just, it's it's a well put together publication, and I Thank don't you. think I've seen too many misspelled words. If they have, they've probably been in my submissions. <laughs> um, anything else you'd like to chat about before we let you go? Well, I'm um, I'm very happy to be in the position that I'm in with the the Alpo. This is. As much work as it is, it really is very personally rewarding for me because I'm I'm helping an organization that I joined at the age of 12, and here I am um, producing the publication that is the most visible thing that they do. And um, I don't know what's going to happen if I ever kick off, but <laughs> somebody's going to have to pick it up. But for the time being, I'm in good health good. and uh, in good spirits, and I'm just... Um, glad to keep doing what I do. Great. How can everybody get a hold of you? Um, the best way to get a hold of me, uh, if you don't have the journal in front of you, and those of you listening, uh, if you can um, remember this or jot it down or listen to the podcast again, my email address is my first and last name, followed by alpo-astronomy.org. So my name is Ken, K-E-N, dot Poshedley, and that's P like Paul, O S like Sam, H E D like dog, L Y, at A L P O dash astronomy dot O R G. Ken dot Poshedley at Alpo dash astronomy dot O R G. Great, and I'll put I'll also add that to the show notes so when they download the podcast, they can e easily see it there and copy it down or click on it and send you a note. Well, Ken, I want to thank I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. I'm glad I'm very glad to have done this with you. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of the Observer's Notebook podcast. I want to thank Ken Pachetli again for coming on and talking about the uh, Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. We upload a new episode of the Observer's Notebook every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you do, please rate and review us. I do appreciate it. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud. The link is in the show notes. The podcast is not self-sufficient. We depend on no donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. You can help support this podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can donate as little as a dollar a month. Every little bit helps. 
The cost for just online hosting this site is $15 a month. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the ALPO, is available in the show notes. You can contact me via Cometman at Cometman.net or on Twitter at at TimRobertson56. You can find the ALPO on the internet at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And you can find us on Facebook by searching ALPO Astronomy. The ALPO is an international organization devoted to the study of the sun, moon, planets, asteroids, meteors, and comets. Our goals are to stimulate, coordinate, and generally promote the study of these bodies using methods and instruments that are available within the communities of both amateur and professional astronomers. Until next time, my hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thank you for listening.